I'm excited to start a brand new sermon series. Uh, I put this one out in front of another one that I'm going to do probably in the next three to four weeks called Burn the Ships. And uh, I think it's going to be a really good sermon series to kind of uh, let go of what happened in the past and burn the ships and uh, ascend into or march into another dimension of living. This one God gave to me, and I want to put it out ahead of that one. It's called Fix Your Focus. Um, I believe that the enemy wants us to begin to take our eyes off of things that really matter and put our eyes onto things that really don't matter at all. Uh, Things eternal matter. Things of this world are temporary, and we've got to learn to put them in their rightful place. Uh, A lot of the things that we'll talk about today aren't necessarily bad things, but they're things that probably get in the way of what God wants you to do uh, in this world. In our time, uh, in this world that we live, He gave us the, the gift of life, and the Bible calls it a vapor. That means it's here really quick in the scheme of eternity. It's just a speck on uh, that spectrum of eternity that never ends. So while we're here, we have an obligation. Matthew 28, Jesus tells us to go into all the corners of the earth. It's the great commission of the New Testament. And preach His word. I encourage you today to do that. Be strong and be mighty. Mighty woman of God. Mighty man of God. Preach His word. Let His death not be in vain. And preach His word. So as I get into my notes today, I can tell you that um, God usually gives me a bunch. For those of you that are around me, you know that um, I can switch train of thoughts in a heartbeat. I can be talking to you and then my unprofessional um, diagnosis of ADD will kick in and I'm on a whole nother topic. And then they'll be like, wait, wait a minute. He was just so then you see, I have to try to compartmentalize my my duties for the day. Um, To-do lists don't work for me, man. It just doesn't work for me. So as I I plan sermons and I dig into them, I'm challenged by where to start. I know what God gave me, and I kind of work backwards to what do they need to know in order to get to that nugget that God gave me that usually ends up on my phone as a note, and then I add to it over time and wait for the right time for God to... Uh, 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 tell me when to preach it. He pours so much into me that uh, I, I want to say everything at once. And um, as you know, I usually never get to all my notes. Um, I can shift focus quickly, but I do my best to stay uh, uh, right where God wants me to be. I, I have a tendency to want to give all of the irons that I have in the fire an equal amount of attention. Any of y'all got a life where you feel like you have multiple irons in the fire? You see, that's a ploy of the enemy sometimes trying to convince you that everything that you do matters to the degree that you believe it matters. There's very little that matters as much, I've learned, as what we think they really matter. There's about four, five, six big things in life that matter that we need to give our time, talent, and treasure to, and the rest will fall up under that. Uh, sometimes we work it in reverse. I found that when I do that and I try to give all of the irons in the fire equal attention. And I want to get everything done today that it's a good way sometimes for me to get nothing done at all. But I started a lot of stuff. Only to lose my focus and not be able to complete anything that I wanted to do. 
I have a lot of ongoing projects around the house or at the church. Out of 24 hours in a day, I find myself extending the hours that I'm awake in order to try to accomplish these tasks that I have in life that I think are so important. I actually do the math sometimes and I think of how a portion of my life could be slept away. You do that? Yeah. If I wake up an hour early every day, I add 365 hours to the time that I'm awake to be able to do and accomplish the will of God in my life. Of course, you do the math, you're two hours a day, you're over 700. Over a lifetime, you've had years of labor for the kingdom that you could do good things for God. The opposite would be sleeping in, and I don't say sleeping in is a bad thing, but I find myself, because of all the things I have to do, well, there's only one answer. Stay awake longer. That's not necessarily always the answer. It's what I do. I get up earlier. Once I make about 8 or 9 o'clock, you can't get nothing else out of me. I'm talking about p.m. I'm done. The top half of my day is the productive part of my day. When I can focus on things that matter. When I begin to calculate these hours, I begin to think about all the things that I'm responsible for on a daily basis. Not just the entertainment things in my life that tend to sometimes overtake what matters. When I show up at work and the job that I work as a curriculum director, there's approximately 4,000 students and 300 educators that depend on me to provide the best support and leadership that I can provide in an environment that's very hard to function in right now. Don't know who's going to be at school. Don't know which little guy's going to remember the mask or maybe forget it at home. Difficult times. A lot of responsibility. And then, of course, my family trying to be the husband that I need to be. Trying to be the dad that I need to be. Even at times, uh, yeah, the grandpa or the son or, or the sibling that I, that I desire to be. And creating quality time for that. Because that does matter. Out of all the things that doesn't matter. Or the things that don't matter, do not matter. And then of course, you guys know that I do a lot of pastoral work. Remember, we're talking about what do you focus on first. I'm hoping you're creating a list in your head of all the things that are in your life. My study time as a pastor, my prayer time, my shepherding time, my sermon prep, vision casting, ministry developing, counseling, and then of course the day-to-day -day operations, marketing, facility, facility maintenance, social media, church budgeting, and the list goes on and on and on. Then, of course, my wife really doesn't give me honey-do list, but I have one that I create on my own. I have a bathroom in my basement that's been half-tiled for a half a year because I don't have time to get that wet saw out and be getting the sawdust all over my basement. So I tend to put that on the back burner and don't give it the focus that it needs. 
And then, of course, the newest time-consuming endeavor in my life, especially during the pandemic, is which Netflix series do I actually have time for in my life? The question we always ask is, oh, is it good? Well, how many seasons is it? How much time do I have to spend? Is it one season? Is it four? Is it ten? How much time now do I have to put this in my life? Fantasy baseball. I gave up on fantasy football because I'm just too busy to be hunting down that waiver wire for them couple players that are available. It's a whole lot more available for 162 games over the course of four, five, six months and a year for baseball. Is it important? Not really. The things that I choose for entertainment, vacations, of course, the all-famous Facebook, you got to make time for that, right? Because it's so important. Or maybe for some of you it's TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram, whatever it might be. There's anything that can occupy your time. I did a little bit of research on some of this stuff to see exactly how much time do people spend doing this kind of stuff. There's 117 million subscribers to Netflix that watch, catch this man, 140 million hours of content per day. We just talking about Netflix. Not the highlight reel of everybody else's little hunky-dory life that they're trying to act like they live out on social media. Y'all got problems too. Post an argument with your loved ones. Don't post a vacation when you're putting, lathering up the suntan lotion. Post that argument you don't have. Post that disagreement. Let us see the real you. That's not in my notes. 117 million subscribers watch 140 million hours. An average user on Netflix spends 71 minutes a day watching Netflix. I wonder, out of all those people, how much of the Word of God in a day do they consume? We consume more news and media than we do the Word of God. Can't even find your Bible. Oh, I bet you can find this phone. So in the meantime, while you're downloading all the apps that don't matter, I'm not saying the app sends you to hell. Don't go home and talk about that. Start deleting the apps. You know, hold down till they all vibrate and you hit the X. You ain't got to go that far. But at least when you're downloading an app, find the Bible app. It's a little brown book, the Bible app, the version Bible app. Download that. Spend a little bit of time reading the Word of God. It might just change your life. Well, curiosity got the best of me. So then I started Googling. You see, we're talking about focus on things that matter. Want to know why, God, why God's not working in our life. God wants to work in your life. You don't give Him no room. Ain't no space for God in your life. You got to get out the way. Get out the way. Y'all know the song. So, in 2016, I looked at some data that was as current as the beginning of this year. In 2016, the average person spent 126 minutes on social media a day. 
In 2017, they spent 135 minutes of their day on social media. In 2019, they spent 153 minutes of their day on social media. And then in 2020, I just put, ain't no telling. That's exactly what my note says. It could have possibly doubled because we're looking and reaching for things to occupy the empty spaces in our life. I'm not sure who sang the song, probably back in the early 80s, but you're looking for love in all the wrong places. Some of y'all know what it is. You young folks is like, what is he talking about? Looking for love in all the wrong places. You're looking for things to occupy the empty spaces in your life. God wants to permeate and occupy all of your time. So out of all of this stuff, this picture that I've painted, and I don't know what it might be for you. I know, I I don't even know how to get on it on my phone, but I know there's a way to get on your phone and see all the apps that you spend the most time on. I know some young people be like, dang, I spent eight hours a day on YouTube. Hope you're watching some good stuff. While you're watching YouTube, look up Maverick City Music. Fill your, fill your heart with some good stuff. Look up, say, uh, maybe some sermons, some, some people, that, some people that, that you resonate with. Not just the how-to videos of how to go viral and make it famous on Facebook because you want money that wouldn't be healthy for you in your life anyway. You know, you want to be the next superstar. Not a bad thing, but it can be a godlike thing which turns idol-like in your life and that in itself becomes the bad thing because it gets in between you and God. You say, eight hours a day? Yeah, man. There's some young people, I promise, at 24 hours in a day, they barely sleep. They stay up all night long. They sleep with this thing on their chest so they can feel it vibrate. They come late to school. They sleep for about two hours a day because they're on this phone all day long. Some people, 22 and 23 hours a day. I'm not lying. Talk about losing focus. I didn't know you was going to preach on cell phones. I didn't either. I'm just preaching on focus. I hope you've developed a list in your mind about what it is that distracts you. What should get your attention first? What should go to the bottom of your list? If you were going to make some priorities, what should you do when you get up and get out of bed every day? Hallelujah. Talk to Jesus. When these things are put into a spiritual context, these questions about what, can, what should be put first in my life, things can get blurry because you begin to see what doesn't matter and then you don't know exactly what has to go. In order to grow spiritually, you have to clearly see through the eyes of God in your life. The spiritual lens, it doesn't always make sense to the world. 
The spiritual lens is what allows us to not be conformed to the world that Paul tells us in Romans 12 too. Do not be conformed to the world. So again, what should get the most of our attention as the new year arises and comes up 2021? What should get our attention? I put with an exclamation point here in my notes. What should get your attention? Choose wisely. Choose wisely. Because 1 Peter 5, 8 tells us that there's an enemy, the devil... And he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. What will get your attention? Choose wisely. On what occupies the empty spaces of 24 hours in a day. God really doesn't operate on that anyway. We made the clocks and we call it 24 hours. The Bible calls it a day. He doesn't call it 24 hours. It took him seven days. I got homework for you. Y'all go home and tell me exactly how long that was next week in the Bible. What, seven days? You go back and tell me. It's not 24 times seven. You go back and you got some homework. You tell me how long that was. It's a trick question. You're never going to figure it out. But you can study it anyway, the gap theory and all that other stuff. It could be 24. I don't know. It's a lot of research on it. That's for theological uh, uh, people that want to go study. So I thought about this question for myself. And I called it, what do I need more of and what do I need less of? I made it as simple as I possibly could. And I recently heard someone say, because you all know my story, right? The last couple, six, eight months of my life have been trying to watch what I eat. I've struggled. In November, December. Them holidays will get you. I guess I'm the only one. I didn't get no Y'all got quiet because you're thinking, I ain't saying amen because they got me too. I recently heard someone say, you are what you eat. Mm. I'm like, dang, I'm going to be a piece of white chocolate raspberry nothing bunt cake. That's what I'm going to turn into. If you haven't had it, you got to try it. Don't try the chocolate. Try the white chocolate raspberry nothing bunt cake with the cream cheese icing on top. Soft, moist. You can't just eat one piece. I'm going to turn into one of them. I once heard one of my favorite preachers say, I can tell what you focus your life on by looking at your pocketbook or your checkbook or your bank account. That's old school. I don't have checkbooks anymore. I don't write them. Some of y'all do, I know. Maybe now it would be our cell phone. I can tell what you focus your life on by looking at your home screen on your phone. It's not too hard to tell. This is not my phone, by the way, on the screen. I'll tell you what I have on mine in a second. This folks, this person here, they spend a lot of time on Netflix. They spend a lot of time on Facebook. They got three notifications waiting for them. Instagram, Messenger, that's the drama, that's the drama line, Messenger. Snapchat, that's the funk line, the filth and funk line on Snapchat. Uh, then they got YouTube, everything under the sun on that. Then ain't no telling what's up in them other apps. So if we could all expose, not asking you to, what would they see? Hmm, you see SecureGive on mine. I got six 
text messages right now since church started. They say, you're busy, Pastor. I treat text messages like email. Don't take it personal. If I don't get right back to you, I check text messages like I check email. Then I got my fantasy baseball app on there. I got flock note on there. That's where I send you all text messages. I got Canva on there. That's where I make my graphics to send out to y'all. I got Waze on there. That's when my wife thinks she knows all the directions, and I have to tell her you don't know, so y'all know that ain't how it is. She, she, she turns it on for me because I tell her I don't need it. But what, what, what does it say? I got the Bible app there. I got some stuff on there. I don't even know how it works. What is that for? You know what I'm saying? What is Keynote? Who ever heard of Keynote? Got Anchor on there. That's where I listen to my podcast. I don't know. What does your home screen say about your time? What you need more of? What you see? Boy, that'll tell a lot. Probably a whole sermon series locked up in that. I like it when people say, I'm going to take a break from social media. I'm going to be like, thank you. I was thinking about hiding you anyway because I can't take all that drama. Thank you. Y'all be like, did you hide me? I don't give out my hide list, but if y'all got too much drama, I ain't got time for the drama in my life. I just hit hide. I love that feature. I ain't got time for the drama in my life. I want good, positive thoughts. Y'all laughing because you like that hide feature of your own self. <laughs> Take an inventory. What do you need more of and what do you need Less of. Take a spiritual inventory of your life. So you're just making this up, Pastor Scott. Well, let's open up the Bible to Lamentations 3 and verse number 40. It actually tells us in that verse of Scripture to examine ourselves. The 5G, we need 12G in here. It's not working quick enough for me. Do we have the Scripture popping up on the screen, ladies? Here we go. See, I got my media team back there clowning. Let's see. Let's examine our ways. But I love them. I love them. That's my crew back there. I got Greg and Donnie. Then I got my crew back there. I got Cassie and Cameron and, and Maddie back there learning how to serve. Donnie and Greg teach them how. Maybe it's the opposite way. I don't know. <laughs> spiritual inventory. Examine your ways. Hmm. Well, that'd be a spiritual inventory, wouldn't it? And test them. Ooh, put it to the test. And let us return to the Lord, which means you're going to find some stuff. That shouldn't be there. Let us return to the Lord. Well, where else did you find it? Well, there's a lot of them. But I'll give you just one more for today. 2 Corinthians 13 and 5. Paul tells us, oh, here it is again. Take a spiritual inventory. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. That means to see whether or not you live in right. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? And I like this part here. Unless, of course, you fail the test. Mm. Lord, let that not be me. Unless, of course, you failed the test. I can't, I can't take the test for you. Oh, I can see on the outside. I get a pretty good guess. Why? Because I'm spiritual myself. I know what living right looks like. Because I'm a Christian. I'm a believer I am a Christ follower. And that looks a certain way. Oh, I can say what I want with my mouth. But I am a Christ follower. You can examine my life. 
saying, that's a little bit, that's a little bit arrogant, ain't it? No, you're going to see the cracks. You're going to see the crevices. I'm not perfect. But you're going to see me recover in Jesus' name. I'm going to keep fighting the fight. I'll keep walking the walk. I'll keep talking the talk. I won't let the enemy get the best of me. I refuse to lose. You can't lose with the stuff I use. I've taken a look at the back of the book. Jesus wins in the end. Preaching that gospel. Some of y'all need to be popping pills. The gospel pills. See, I got all the preacher jokes coming out today. I told them a few weeks ago in the band. You know what Jesus' favorite note is, don't you? Well, no, I don't know. That's a G-sus. Those of you that are musicians, there's a G with a S-U-S next to it. We're going to be in a G-sus. Oh, you're so spiritual. The musicians are laughing right now. They're probably sending me a text message here. Ha, ha. Here's perhaps what your self-examination spiritually should begin with. Maybe it's a question that says, is what I am good at correlated to my calling? That'll say a lot about your life. Say, boy, you real good at fantasy baseball, Pastor. You won. Like, I haven't won in a couple years because my, you see my time is being occupied. But I won a lot of years in a row. See, I pay attention to dudes that have last names that I can't even say. One of them is like K-A-H-N-L-E, Conley or something like that. He just signed a $4 million contract. He was with the Yankees. Now he got traded out west. He's going to be out this year with Tommy John, but he did have about 90 strikeouts over 60 innings. So he's somebody that I'm going to keep an eye on for middle relief in case my ERA and whip starts to get out of whack. Say, Pastor, you spend a lot of Is what you're good at correlated to your calling hmm said that might be a little too much i just getting started on what i know about all that now y'all know why i have to downsize that menu and do my best to just x out of it so i can study the word when i'm in my office you stick a brand new fantasy baseball article in front of me like that when i'm trying to study how dare the devil do something like that is what you're good at correlated to your calling? Mm. Think about it. That's a deep question. Say, boy, you real good at your front yard. That looks real good because I'm bad for that, see. I just signed up for some special treatment. They pried a little something out of my pocket. That's against everything I believe in. I do my own work. Right? I'm the yard guy. Stripe it up. Green it up. Fertilize it up. Is what you're good at correlated? You say we can't work on our yard? No, I never said that. I'm just challenging you to ask yourself to take an examination spiritually of your life as to what occupies the hours of your day. That's all. Still love you. Is what you're good at correlated to your calling? For me, it would be pastoring. Do I spend time developing my communication skills? Mm. Say that's part of the job? Yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm doing to you now. Communicating. It's not easy. Developing empathy for others. Mm, that's part of the job? Yeah. That's not easy. 
Maybe you should go and love yourself. Y'all don't know that. Some of the young kids got it. It's a Justin Bieber song. Some of y'all are hard to love. Not you, but you know. See, developing empathy for others is what you're good at. Correlated to your calling. How much time do you spend? My ability to speak in front of others. My knowledge of 21st century church. What should stay? What should go? What are the absolutes? See, I study that. We won't always look like this. This is just what people do now. So we do what other people do. But this, this right here, this word of God, this is an absolute. So I'll spend my time learning this word of God because as long as what my calling is and what I spend my time is correlated to what I'm good at, let me be good at the word. Because no matter what foundation might become and what it looks like, this word is an absolute. And it is a foundation of this church. I'll spend my time and my focus on that word of God. I'm going to make sure before the sun goes down that I've spent some time on the word of God. I know I'm preaching good today. Y'all going to be army crawling out of here like, let's get out. I think he was preaching to me. Was he preaching to me? It's just the word of God. It will get you coming and it will get you going. It cuts like a two-edged sword. This word will cut you to the core. Separate marrow from marrow, man. It's the only thing that can do that. The word of God. I can see in others what's taking the spaces in your day through my spiritual lens. Some people say, well, that's judgmental. No, it's just a simple observation. From a spiritual Christ follower. That's all. And I'm praying for you. See because I'll go back up on my list. Developing empathy for others. So when I see that. Then I try to have empathy. Because I don't know your situation. I don't know what's behind the smile. See behind the smile of the people you interact with. Is a story. A story of hurt. A story of a lack of hope. A story of less than, a story of depression, anxiety. What's behind the smile is what we need to have empathy for. Their life is not the highlight reel. Don't you believe it for a second? That's the facade. But there's a person on the inside. So what do I focus on? I want to have empathy for others. That's my prayer. I don't know what your prayer is, but as a pastor, I've got to have that. Because, you see, I could go up and down. Let's see, I'm going to get on mine. I'm going to let you all inside my Facebook for a second. Let's see, okay, that person checked in on Facebook. Praise God. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I was deciding, see, I have another car that's got to try to get into the family. My daughter drives in a couple weeks. My daughter drives in a couple weeks. So then I'm going up and down here lately, occupying my time. Who do I want to be a slave to? Ford, Kia. And how long do I want to be a slave to them jokers? Pretty soon it's going to be like, look, you could get a car for 120 months. The rest of half of your life you could pay on this. It better have a lifetime powertrain warranty. You asking me to pay on it for half of my lifetime. 
Who do I want to be a slave to? What will occupy my... Hmm. You remember when you were 16, you needed a job so you could get a car, and you had to get a car so you could get a job? And we never stop it, do we? It just turns into bigger and different stuff. Now we need a bigger car because we had to have a family. And because we got a family, now we got to have a bigger car. And now we need a job that pays more because that car and them kids require Life is but a vapor. What do you focus on? Time, talent, and treasure. The misuse of your time usually leads to a misuse of your talent and your money. Your treasure. A misuse of your time usually leads to the misuse of your talent and your treasure. What do you need more of? What do you need less of? Can't answer that for you. Oh, it's easy for me to Bible thump and say, oh, you need more of Jesus and less of the world. Hallelujah. I don't know your story. I have empathy for you. I want 2021 to be the best year you've ever had. God has the power to change things. You have to change your perspective. You see, I can remember when I used to get eye exams before I had laser surgery about 15 years ago. The doctor would always ask, he or she, as they toggle between the two lenses. How about now? How about now? How about now? Can you see? How about now? Better? Worse? How about now? Your perspective on things in life make a real big difference on making Christian progress as a believer. Sometimes I feel like the spiritual question in my life should be asked, how about now? How about now? Now how do you see the problem? You see, when I was taking the eye exam, the letter on the chart never changed. Just the way I saw it is what changed. The letter never changed. But how I saw the letter changed depending on the perspective by which was in front of my eyes. Your problems might not change, but how you see them. Can you see them through a spiritual lens? Can you see them through the eyes of God? James puts it this way, and I'm like, come on, James. It's easy to preach like that, but come on, man. Consider it pure joy. What? Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kind. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. You might be facing mountains today and problems in your life. And you have several different ways that you can look at them. You can ignore them. You can deny them. You can run from them. You can blame them on someone else. Someone else, you can view them as insurmountable and you can turn and you can run in fear. You can try to pray them away, but I encourage you to be careful on what you pray away in your life because you can pray away the blessings that appear as mountains in front of you. God just might be trying to show you something. Rather than praying the mountains away, maybe you should pray, God, what are you trying to show me through this mountain? The focus, the perspective becomes different. God, how are you going to use this mountain to minister to me? God, how is this mountain going to continue to transform me into who you made me to be? This mountain in your life may be big, but my God can do it for you the way he's done it for me. 
You may not know how and you may not know when, but God can do it again. This mountain may be big, but greater is He who is in me than he who is in the world. And the same goes for you. The mountain may be big in your life, but with God all things are possible. Those mountains may be big in your life, but with Christ you can do all things because He is your strength. These mountains may be big, but God is the great physician and He can heal your broken body. This mountain may be big and you may be experiencing loneliness, but my God is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. How are you viewing the mountain in your life? This mountain may be big, but I serve a great big God. He's the maker of the mountains. He calms the storm. And He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's a bridge builder. He's a way maker. He's a mountain mover. He's a faithful friend. He's the peace speaker. He's the lily of the valley. He's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. He's all you've ever needed. Everything you've ever needed is still spelled capital J-E-S-U-S. His name is Jesus. The mountains don't matter, but the perspective by which you view makes all the difference in the world. Maybe scaling the mountain is what you need. Maybe climbing the mountain is what you need. Maybe God allowed for your free will in life to put you in a situation to where you have mountains to climb. Oh, He can remove them. He can rearrange everything in your life. He holds all of the world in His hand. Think of it this way today. If you've ever seen Google Earth when you're looking on the computer and you kind of zero in to a country, you can zero in to a state, you can zero in to a little town named Trenton, Ohio, you can zero in all the way to this little place used to be the former Skateway now you're all the way down into 100 South Boulevard. You mean so much to him that he zeroes all the way in to the core of who you are. He holds all of it in the palm of his hand. He controls everything. He's sovereign. Powerful. But tender mercy and grace always, always is what he provides. He's here for you today. Don't pray your blessing away. Don't pray your mountain away. I want you to stand with me. We're going to do the blessing one more time. Now there's a word in this song that says, Amen means that it's done with, basically. It's kind of like the words on the cross that Jesus spoke when He was dying. And he said, it is finished. It is finished is translated to, it's paid in full. Your debt has been paid. Cancel out all the debt. All of who you are and all of your shortcomings is finished. Amen. So we're going to sing this song, Blessing, one more time. If the media team wants to pull it up.
And I encourage you to forget about the environment around you. Forget about the people. Take five minutes of this 24-hour day that we spend so much useless time with sometimes. Take five minutes. Meditate and focus on Him. And let's worship together.